when Luke Skywalker was most vulnerable. This is a dangerous time for you. It is you and your abilities the Emperor wants. When a renegade hero became a friend in desperate need. And a dark villain faced his greatest challenge. Join me, and together we can rule the galaxy as father and son. When the Empire turned more and more to the forces of the underworld. Bounty hunters. We don't need that scum. The underworld moved in to crush the Empire and the Rebellion in a single stroke. After the Empire Strikes Back and before Return of the Jedi, there was a time when heroes and villains alike lived in the shadows of the Empire. Rightfully so, I've been talking about Prince, and I don't know about you, Gabe, but all week when they've been talking about Prince, I'm just like thinking nothing but Prince Skeezor. Oh yeah, that's all. I, yeah, I'm getting my skis on this week. <laughs> so, so much Skeezor. Getting real skeezy. Yeah, yeah. cheesy sleazy Skeezor. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so this this is the 18th episode of Blast Points. I'm Jason. I'm Gabe. And we have there's there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, there's always stuff. Star Wars is when they said Star Wars was forever, they weren't kidding. No, yeah, they weren't joking. <laughs> weren't joking around. <laughs> no, like a couple weeks ago, J.J. Abrams was at that Tribeca Film Festival with Chris Rock, weirdly, and a little kid came up and asked J.J., "Who are Ray's parents?" Right. Hmm. And he basically says they are not in episode seven. Ray's parents are uh, not in episode seven. Uh, so I can't possibly in this moment uh, tell you who they are, but I will say that it is, uh, this is all I will say. It is something that Ray thinks about too. <laughs> and then later, like he's leaving the place and he clarifies to Entertainment Weekly that they're, they may not be already in her world. Yeah, and didn't he say something to the point of he wasn't necessarily specifically saying they weren't in Episode 7, but that Episode 7 wasn't about her parents? Yeah, something like that. So basically he said, like, nothing. <laughs> right. So, yeah, at first we're like, okay, we know that you know not to think anyone in the movie was her parents. Yeah. But then now he unsaid that, kind of, so... Maybe Kathleen Kennedy has a microphone on him, and she, like, texted him immediately. <laughs> it's like Roxanne, where, like, Steve Martin is in his ear, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you should have said that. Yeah. This is, hey, everybody, remember the movie Roxanne with Steve Martin, where you had the giant long nose? Everybody remembers that one, right? Yeah. yeah. No? I think I saw it, like, three times. <laughs> I saw it 14 times in the theater. IMAX 3D. Uh, so I think I really did see it three times. <laughs> it was at the the Harbor Theater in Muskegon in the summer, and like there were, whatever movie was there, it was all there was to do in the summer. So I saw quite a few movies multiple times that I shouldn't have probably even seen once. I did too. Um, <laughs> um, I think I saw Cocoon: The Return like seven times. But that's uh, when we started Car- Cocoon: The Return podcast or Roxanne podcast. Um, <laughs> Coming soon. Steve Martin. Daryl Hannah. Say something romantic. Hello, darling. 
Roxanne. Rated PG. Starts Friday at select theaters. Uh, also, they said, so yeah, that was really um, no news coming there. And then uh, they, he said in some interview somewhere that uh, he believes more deleted scenes are coming. Because I think everybody watched those deleted scenes on the Force Awakens Blu-ray and was kind of like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised to see for how much everyone seemed to love the movie and have nothing but good things to say about it. Everyone was kind of in agreement that the Blu-ray was kind of a letdown compared to the previous Blu-rays. At least as far as amount of content, the content that's there, everyone liked. But more is always better with deleted scenes. Which it made me think, like... They could really easily, on that Disney Movies Anywhere app, or even on iTunes, they could really easily just add content to either one of those. Yeah, that's true. And maybe that's their plan is to get more people to buy the digital version. Or if if Disney is like, if yay, if you have the movie on your Disney Movie Anywhere account, now you get six more deleted scenes. Yeah, because unfortunately that might actually get me to buy... (laughs) The digital copy, too, even though I got a digital <laughs> copy with my Blu-ray. I wonder if that is something that will be coming on May the 4th. Mm, you're right. That could be. Who knows? So, the really, the big thing in the last couple weeks, kind of dominating Star Wars talk. So, even though now we're in, like, the two, I feel like the 270-day range for Rogue yeah. One. There's still eight months left. Yeah, still, all anyone's talking about is episode eight. Good. Bravo. Beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode eight. Yeah, which is crazy. Like, they released a trailer for Rogue One, which everybody loved, which is awesome. But yeah, like, I don't see any crazy Reddit threads with just weird Rogue One spoilers. It's like everyone's jumping right ahead to episode eight, so... One thing that came out with episode eight was a description of Luke and Ray's costumes. For me, it was so incredible. The whole thing of seeing how a film is made, is especially with Michael, with this film, is like the costumes really reflect the settings. It works so well. I'm trying not to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, at least got me to, at least got me away from thinking about Luke's hair. <laughs> but his costume sounds pretty sweet. So Ray. Ray's just wearing, like, her gray vest that she had at the end of Force Awakens is gone. Her hair is down. She's still got Han's blaster uh, that he gave her on her side. But Luke, on the other hand, this is where it gets hot. Yeah. Luke, You might need need to sit down if you haven't read this before. Yeah, get get a glass of water. A darker costume, more Return of the Jedi and cut in color, uh, is under tunic is closer to Count Dooku. A very dark gray cape drapes over his shoulder and chest like a shawl, and his chest is covered by the cape, and the black glove is back. It's actually quite similar to your outfit in the first film. It is. Just a black version that's a little bit more Jedi-like. And where they're saying that the cape uh, basically covers his left side, and his right side is it's kind of like a little bit like Phasma's cape. Yeah. Where it covers the left side of his body and his right arm is free with to show off the glove. Yeah, hurry up and uh, buy your gla- black gloves now before uh, episode 8 comes out and they'll be sold out. <laughs> or if you need actually a whole pair of gloves, you'll only be able to buy the left glove. Because <laughs> all the right gloves have been stolen. <laughs> Short in nation- worldwide shortage of right right hand black gloves. Yeah. Stock up now. <laughs> Well, and the only thing that I thought of, too, with Luke and his costume, it's like, well, I mean, we don't know squat about episode eight, but when is Luke going to have time to get new clothes? Maybe that casino planet's really just like a shopping mall planet. Is <laughs> a 20-minute montage of Luke going shopping? <laughs> yeah, the, the guy with the gold chain and the giant monster mouth is just like a tailor. <laughs> Luke, and, he's, and he's just like, make me something sweet. Luke comes in with a picture of Count Dooku. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I want something that looks cool, do do cool. <laughs> oh no, my friend, this is a mistake, a terrible mistake. They've gone too far. This is madness. The, earlier in the week, everybody was uh, freaking out because Prince Harry and Prince William uh, were getting a grand tour of the uh, the episode eight 
set. Yeah. The minute they walked through the door, <laughs> felt like they weren't royal anymore. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. like they're just and nerds also and they, they love have it. a lot to do with BAFTA and we're mm. celebrating British talent and everything. Yeah, it was def- it's Prince Week this week. Yeah, Prince Week. A- any- anything Prince-ish of all kinds. Especially Prince Caesar. Especially Caesar, yeah. That's number one. Caesar. 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 The unpronounceable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he got. They got a whole tour of the set. They uh, Mark Hamill, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Chewbacca, BB-8, Kathleen Kennedy, Ryan Johnson. They were all there. Yeah. Have you been doing any filming? You've been chilling out. Can you do a little spin for us? No. I mean, yeah. Okay. Yes. Nice. Good head bomb. And an A-wing. And what? Or a, an A-wing-like ship. An A-wing-like ship, because it's not, it's pretty close to an A-wing, but it's not exactly an A-wing. It's like a A-minus-wing. Which I gotta think if they're, I mean, based on Force Awakens, if they're just doing modifications or slight variations on the uh, original trilogy ships, I could see them doing a new version of the A-wing. Sure. Unless it's just an A-wing style cockpit stuck inside some totally different ship. Well, like the fins on the back are totally A-wing, but it's got like those giant like engine things on the side, which are not A-wing. Yeah, there was a. It was slightly different. Um, did you hear the video? Did you hear what Mark Hamill was saying when uh, I think it was Prince Harry was sitting in the um, in the cockpit? Mm-mm. No, what did he say? No, he's like, I don't do much flying in this one. So, does he say, I don't do much flying in this one being episode eight, or this one meaning that ship? Oh, man, yeah, good question. Yeah, I've been thinking about that, too. Like, it'll be neat to see. Will we see Luke behind the controls of a ship again, or is he going to be just riding in the Falcon? Yeah, I don't know. It's funny because he's an actual pilot talking to one who needs green screen model work and, the, you know, a technical staff of special effects artists to make me look like a pilot. Is he going to fly the Falcon? I don't know because that's, yeah, that's the thing too. The Falcon is still there on that planet. I don't know. And where's Luke's X-Wing? You'd think potentially he'd have that stowed away somewhere on the planet too. Yeah, even, yeah. If he is flying around in an X-Wing anymore, who knows? So they saw an Akbar head there. There was footage of that. There was that resistance guy with the, uh, you know, that one. What's that resistance? What does he say? That one animatronic resistance guy. Oh, the, uh, the like, monkey man dude with the long hair? Yeah, the, the, the monkey man looking guy. Yeah. I don't remember what he said. Yeah. Um, uh, he, my, my, my brain shut off every time one of those guys was on screen. <laughs> 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 just completely black out. Yeah, uh. it's like a, like a mini stroke. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. Uh, there was a part with a table of lightsabers, which I was obsessively mm. zooming in on the photos to yeah, try and when it looked like it had it was black or wrapped in purple plastic or something crazy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I couldn't. It's too hard to make out, but it. It didn't like the shape of it. Didn't look like any kind of lightsaber we've seen before. Yeah, it was like I couldn't tell if it was Kylo's without the side pieces, or if it had a like a Dooku style curve a little bit to the end. Or well, and it's interesting oh. too. Like I the, the the Kylo saber that they brought out because the end of Force Awakens is kind of vague. With does Rey dis- destroy Kylo's saber? I, I think she does. I think she full on. Like, instead of, you know, cutting his hand off or something, she basically cuts the saber in pieces. Yeah, because you don't get a good look at it, but if you when you, if you watch it, and especially if you watch it with, like, headphones on, you can hear it, like, kind of, like, like, crack when she smacks his hand. Like, and then when she, before she goes up across his face. So yeah. it's, it seems like she destroys his saber, but... Like, I wonder if they just got, like, the prop from Seven out for, like, the royal dudes coming over. Or if Kylo has his old saber again. I don't know. 
Yeah. Yeah, because that's one of the things I thought maybe too since they were coming out that maybe they pulled out some stuff from 7 that wasn't going to be used, which is just going to mess with people oh. even more. Did you see the one picture? I don't know why I didn't see that one until just now that um, it looks like they're holding like a, a rubber mask of Ray or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and that was in the um, when there was that big group shot from 7 of like all the creatures. I never noticed that. So there, there's like a... Is that her stunt doubles mask or yeah. something? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> oh, well, that, that ties into uh, some shadow stuff later on. <laughs> it all, everything, Since, all, everything goes back to Shadows of the Empire. Really? Yeah, everything's uh, leading up to uh, the skeezness. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my favorite Kiss song. Let's put the X in Shizor. <laughs> Did you give away any secrets of what's coming up? See, they could have commanded. They could have. They could do have. It, but they didn't. Wasted opportunity, I would have. I, I, I command you to tell me what happens in episode eight. We, we missed that one. So, still more episode eight news. Um, Oscar Isaac was doing an interview somewhere about oh, at the with LA Times. And they asked him, how's it going with episode eight? And he said uh, that they're going to places and investigating things that haven't really been done in the Star Wars universe. For me, it's fun getting to explore different things I wouldn't have, wouldn't, wouldn't have expected in this universe. In some ways, it feels like we're making an independent film. Certain things we get to play with, this kind of intimacy that we get to find, it's special. It's been really fun. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, interesting, I'm saying it feels like we're making an independent film. Right. Yeah, since the, the other six, well, really the other five have been full-on independent films. Yeah. <laughs> Completely financed <laughs> by George Lucas. Yeah. And the prequels are basically made by four people. <laughs> plus ILM. Yeah. Unless Rick McCallum counts as two people, which could. He could be. Good. Um, but yeah, that's interesting, like talking about like intimacy and stuff and things they get to play with that haven't ever been in Star Wars films before. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of scenes in the bathroom, like <laughs> shit, like Shadows of the Empire. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the refresher, the intimacy of Shadows of the Empire. It's all tied together. It's all tied together. So the, the last thing. The last thing that's been dominating the episode eight talk in the last couple of weeks <clears throat> has been the these outrageous Reddit rumors. Yeah, yeah. Somebody's like writing an episode eight script just for us. I hope. Uh, I hope Lucasfilm is listening. <laughs> what well, did you did you happen to catch the name of the person? The first because there were two batches of Reddit rumors, and the first batch had the really good stuff. But did you catch the name of the person who first posted? The the Reddit stuff? No, I didn't. <laughs> Lou Evil One. <laughs> Which, I, I mean, Super Shadow, come on, that's your back, Super Shadow. Maybe. You just you came up with a better name than Super Shadow, and it's Lou Evil One. I don't know. I hope he's writing the script because it's some good stuff in there. Yeah, a press conference tomorrow that the, <laughs> the script for everything they've shot for Episode Eight has been scrapped, and they hired Lou Evil One. Yeah, Ryan Johnson just wasn't cutting it. No, it wasn't. It wasn't wild enough. <laughs> so they brought in Lou Evil One. There's a lot of stuff in here. Uh, and it's and Pablo already came out on Twitter and said it's all garbage. But interesting, he said it is it's all garbage. But he didn't want to get into the habit of policing rumors on the internet, as eventually something legit for eight will come out, which is very true. Because if he says this is all garbage, but then in a few weeks when more stuff comes out, and if he doesn't say anything, then everyone's gonna think, oh, well, that's true. Then yeah, um, yeah. That that would be annoying for him to have to keep tabs on all this. Yeah, I don't. I feel so bad for that guy because sometimes I'll like. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not like regular with Twitter, but like I'll look at Twitter and like 
I'll just see Star Wars fans just barraging him with questions. <laughs> like, where's GA-97? <laughs> yeah, or like... <laughs> How many times have you sent that to him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> or like, someone will be like, uh, you know, in, in the comic book, The Phantom Affair... You know, Wedge Antilles says he has a wife. How is this canon? You know, and it like it's just nonstop with that poor guy. He's just or people just like voicing their gripes to him. Like he, like he he might as well be for some people if George Lucas was on Twitter. Yeah. During like the prequels. I wish George Lucas was on Twitter. Oh, I do too. I would probably sign up for Twitter then. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff on here and it's all really outrageous. Um Gabe, what was one of your favorite things in these uh um, oh, I think completely stupid Reddit rumors. The the best one's gotta be where what does it say, Ray's pissed at Luke because she guesses that he was her father and is angry at him for abandoning her. Yeah. <laughs> Luke turns to her and says, No, you are my father. No, <laughs> <laughs> Because Ray's the reincarnation of Anakin. <laughs> so, somebody got my message. <laughs> you gotta put this in the movie. Yeah, you know, and all of these rumors, no one's talking about the space horse. Yeah, right. Let's talk about the space horse. This is a really good one. He ultimately trains her anyway, and leaves everything up to the force. Okay. Sounds like Luke Skywalker. He makes this decision in a scene where he confers with the ghosts of Obi-Wan and Yoda. Lei learn, r- learns right, lightsaber skills, force skills, and has a vision quest thing. Good good <laughs> yeah. one, Lou, evil one. Uh, where she talks with Maz Kanata, unsure if it's telepathy or just a dream, and Hayden Christensen. Right. Not Anakin either. No. Actor <laughs> Hayden Christensen. <laughs> he, he you may not know me, but I'm actor Hayden Christensen. <laughs> oh, I wish. Yeah, I was at George Lucas's wedding. <laughs> I, I sat at a table with Mark Hamill. You may be familiar with me. <laughs> Did you see Shattered Glass? I've done yeah. other things besides Star Wars. A jumper? <laughs> jumper? It was good. Um, the latter tells her, this is actor Hayden Christensen. From the moment I met you. All those years ago, not a day has gone by when I even thought of you. The latter tells her that she is him, but different. And there's a quick scene where we see the hundreds of other Force ghosts who are implied to be past chosen ones. <laughs> we, we may laugh now, but when it's for real, <laughs> I won't be complaining. <laughs> I wish that was really happening because, like, Force Awakens was, like, so good. And then, if like, if there were, like, hundreds of Force ghosts and, hey, and here's all the other chosen ones, I'd be sitting in the theater looking around like, oh, man. <laughs> they don't, man, they weren't saying this is going to be a weird one. Yeah. They weren't joking. Yeah, that's why they basically gave us two years of it's going to be weird. Don't worry. <laughs> it's going to be weird. Get ready. Eight, get ready for eight could be kind of crazy yeah the whole thing reminds me of like uh cyborg luke and like people like no i heard luke skywalker's a bad guy and he's a cyborg yeah adam driver is related to count dooku and all that stuff yeah yeah actually i think it was phasma was supposed to be related to dooku everybody everybody Which, should be related know, to dooku it still could happen it still could be um and the one thing I thought when when I was reading this too is it's I've thought this before too. I feel like sometimes um, when rumors get real wild and like just out of control, just running running free like this, that like people forget that the Star Wars movies really aren't that complicated. Yeah, it's true. Like even even the prequel ones when they would get crazy never really got that crazy not that crazy no it at least the, at least the storyline isn't crazy the people acting in the storyline might be crazy <laughs> the words coming out of their mouth could be insane but yeah and it might be a bug man with a cane but <laughs> <laughs> the story's pretty straightforward like it reminds me also of like uh there was all the talk of like well why is the millennium falcon on jakku 
and there was like wild stories people would endlessly come up with of like reasons why the Millennium Falcon was on Jakku. And in the end, it just was. Yeah. There's like no real reason why. And uh, they're really fast paced movies and things have to be told like really, really quickly. And a lot of time they don't have they don't have time for details. Yeah. And you know, actually, one thing I just noticed watching the movie again the other day that I didn't catch with the Falcon thing was the fact that. Since Ray makes a point of saying the Falcon hasn't flown in years, mm-hmm. basically explains why Luke and or why Han and Chewie haven't found it. Because as soon as it gets turned on, their scanners can pick it up. But it's basically no one's been flying it, which is why they didn't find it before. That's true. I never thought of that. Yeah, I mean, so some of that stuff is even explained just so quickly in a all the other craziness you don't catch it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just the most interesting thing, though, other than just the craziness, was it. It's we're getting our first rumors about what. Uh, uh, Benicio del Toro's character is whether or not it has any bearing on what he really is. It's kind of this is the first time anyone's even hinting at what his character is. Yeah, which they're they're saying in this one, Lord Vikram, that he's uh, the new leader of the Republic and he's a dictator. Yeah, yeah, and there's zero mention of Laura Dern, who she's playing. The interesting thing though with the the silly, it's silly where they're talking about the shield. Basically, there's a rumor that the Republic, one Republic planet has like a super shield that nothing can break through. But that does kind of tie in with the concept stuff from Episode 7 where they originally had the, was it the sledgehammer was what yeah. it was called in the script? Yeah, there was the like early the, script. the catapult and the sledgehammer. Yeah. yeah, that the sledgehammer could basically break through a planetary shield and then the ships would come out of the end of the sledgehammer ship on the other side of the shield. Yeah. So there could be some truth to that. That was an idea... Well, from episode seven, that really wasn't that much in the art book, too, which kind of again makes me think that maybe it's something they're saving for later. Which also made me because I was thinking about that the other day. And I wonder if that's part of the reason why there isn't an audio commentary on seven yet. Because I wonder if some of the stuff they would talk about was the transition, the phases of the movie, like if some of the sledgehammer catapult stuff was in there and it had to be taken out and bits of the movie had to be rearranged. That's true. Or like if, if there's a big reveal with uh, Maz using force powers, right. That they're, if they're saving that for eight. Yeah. If part of the movie, part of the reason why the Blu-ray for force awakens is kind of vague is that they're holding on stuff. Yeah. I guess otherwise you end up with like the prequel ones where Lucas is like, I'll explain that in three. And then, yeah, <laughs> Three happens, and he never got around to explaining it. In 1977, George Lucas put the butter back in popcorn, and uh, Star Wars became probably the most fattening movie of the last 10 years. Prepare yourself for Star Wars, Shadows of the Empire. The cruel crime lord, Shizor, directs the carbonite capture of Han Solo and his imprisonment aboard bounty hunter Boba Fett's battle-ready Slave One. Now, Luke Skywalker goes undercover with Soldier of Fortune Dash Rendar as he rips through space in his battle transforming outright. But can they stop Slave One in time? It's the ultimate ships for the ultimate battle. Dare to enter the shadow, Star Wars, Shadows of the Empire. Because in vehicles each sold separately from Kenner. So, I feel like everybody knows about Shadows of the Empire, but while I was, like, doing research and trying to figure out all I could about Shadows of the Empire, it struck me, like, because we were there, you know, in May of 96, we were right along for the ride with Shadows of the Empire, we were buying all the action figures. Yeah, I remember, it was a big deal, I mean, this was the first new Star Wars stuff, because this was before they... I, had they even talked about the special editions yet? I don't think so. So, yeah. So, I got out all my old Star Wars Insider magazines and flipping through them, and I got out, like, the Shadows issues um, that, like, had Shadows of the Empire on the cover. And there there were there was pictures of, like, the Dewbacks, and there was pictures of Han talking to Jabba. But at this time, it was still just... A New Hope that was going to be a special edition. They hadn't announced that they were doing special editions for Empire and Jedi yet. Okay. Yeah, because I couldn't remember because all that stuff was really kind of happened fast. It was like years and years of nothing, and then there were shadows, and then I guess it would have been the next year, right, was 97 was the start of the special editions. Right. And there, there was a fascinating article in the back of one of them about uh, 
uh, Rick McCallum and uh, David West Reynolds doing vocation scouting in Tunisia for Man. for episode one. Yeah, because when in the in the documentary, when did uh, when did Lucas start writing it? Because he he writes the date on the little notebook, right? I think, it like, not, I think it's September ninety four. Yeah, so he'd already started on episode one. Crazy. So when it's interesting because ninety four is when there was um, a big meeting at Lucasfilm with the the VP of licensing Howard Rothman, who still works for Lucasfilm, and Lucy Wilson, who was Lucasfilm's first employee besides George Lucas, uh, who was the publishing director at that time, and she started as George Lucas's bookkeeper way back in the early, early days. Um, so they had a big meeting. And basically, what, what was in all the, everything I read, that they were talking about a movie project without a movie. Um, but really what it seems like what they were doing was testing the waters for how are we going to roll out the special editions and the 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 prequels because really you look at the the merchandising that they did for shadows and the way they rolled out shadows that's still what they're doing today yeah you're right other than the minus of movie yeah, yeah. everything else was the same as they would do for a new film exactly it's yeah. and it's kind of like when a new star wars movie comes out all the things that we kind of expect to get like aside from the movie is everything that kind of first was introduced to us with Shadows of the Empire. Yeah, you're right. Well, and it's crazy to think back then, too, that nobody, they didn't really know if people would still be that excited about Star Wars stuff. Because there wasn't anything until the new action figure line, which I remember buying the figures and thinking that we'd never be able to get them again. (laughs) Like, we couldn't find Stormtroopers. Yeah. (laughs) It was like, we're never going to find a Stormtrooper ever. Well, and I like we were buying them, that was like 95 and we were buying them, but we knew other people that were buying them, but I didn't know any kids that cared about star Wars at all. Yeah. It seemed to be mostly like guys in their twenties. It was like collectors and comic book shop owners and yeah, yeah, the few hardcore star Wars fans around, but yeah. And they were, you know, such small batches of figures at a store, you know? Yeah. You had to dig for them. Yeah. So then, yeah, this whole thing, we're like, hey, we're going to have a brand new Star Wars thing. Like, is anyone even going to care? Right. Yeah. They were restarting the engine of Star Wars. Um, yeah, because, like, people forget for Shadows of the Empire, there was the soundtrack. Well, there was the book, obviously. There were comics. There were toys. There were trading cards. There was a making of book. A making of book for a book. There were T-shirts. There were video games. There were model kits. And I, there were, like, masks. Like rubber masks, like, and I know I'm probably leaving stuff out. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. There was a lot of stuff, and then there was also. Well, it's hard to say looking back if they if they made too much of the stuff or people just didn't care, because there was like, there was a lot of shadow stuff in the in like Toys R Us for a long time. Yeah, I I remember even when Episode One came out, there was still shadow <laughs> stuff. So they brought in Steve Perry, who had written some Alien books and some Conan books. And what's interesting is they pretty much had the whole plot already laid out um, before Steve Perry was even hired. And they basically came in and was like, your job is to write this book. But Skizor had already been come. I don't think they had his name, but they had the character. They said they wanted him to be kind of like the Godfather, like a mafia thing. The whole Skizor Leia seduction scene, which we'll talk, believe me, we'll talk about. <laughs> That was Lucy Wilson's idea. That wasn't from Steve Perry. Um, Interesting. So he kind of came into it kind of like, and they told him, like, we're going to have the the comics and stuff that are going to, the video games are going to tell this story. The comics are going to tell this story. And your job is to tell this story, the book, which is, it's interesting. It's It was a lot kind of less organic than maybe you would see or maybe you would yeah. think Well, I think it comes across that way in the end product where it's really, I can appreciate what they tried to do and they succeeded in a lot of ways. And then in a lot of ways you can tell that it was kind of intentionally split in very 
specific ways between the different versions of the story. Yeah, and that and that can take us right into the book because because that, that if you're gonna get into the nitty gritty of the actual book, the book is weird. Yeah, it's real weird. It's really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and I guess to mention too, I think this is other than the novelization of Attack of the Clones, this is the first Star Wars novel I've ever read. Oh wow! Yeah, because I just I've always been more with the the visual side of Star Wars and never really got into the books. Hmm. So coming as a non-Star Wars book reader, it's still really weird. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not I've never been hardcore with the books, but um especially now what's referred to as the Legends thing, I was a big fan and still am a big fan of a lot of those books. And whether they're canon or not, I love a lot of those stories. Like I'm one of the only people in the world that still bangs the drum for Troy Denning's Tatooine Ghost, and uh, I love Greg Bear's Rogue Planet, where uh, Anakin gets so pissed. It's like, it's right after Phantom Menace, or no, it's like in between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, and Anakin gets so pissed at someone that finds out that he used to be a slave, that Anakin thinks real hard, and the person explodes. <laughs> okay. I, love I, might have to, I might have to read that one then. And I feel like I like a lot of the Star Wars, the old Legends books that nobody else likes for some reason. Anyways, 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 anyways. Shadows is weird. The book, it's really episodic. Did you get that feeling? Yeah, because it, it's basically divided into the different characters, but not even per chapter. Like, with per paragraph, it's almost like, it's like they tried to edit it like the movies where they're jumping from story to story. Which is almost kind of like what Aftermath does, but it's not quite as wild. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's choppy. It's weird. It doesn't seem to have any weird kind of flow to it. And there are some parts, and again, almost kind of like Aftermath, like there are some parts of it that are completely genius, that are like awesome. Mm-hmm. And then there are other parts where you're like, really, what the, what, what the, what is happening here? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I think like uh, Steve Perry did a really good job whenever it was kind of the original trilogy characters like talk, interacting with each other. Yeah. I thought he did a really good job. I think his, like his Lando felt like Lando and yeah. Leia felt like Leia. Luke. Yeah. Luke kind of doubting himself and working on the force and stuff like all that stuff I thought was great. But the skis, man, the skis is a weird dude <laughs> <laughs> for, for the whole book being about him. He's possibly one of the weirdest and creepiest characters and not creepy in like a horror way, but like just kind of a, 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 a slime ball. Yeah, he's a, he's a sleazy, skeezy dude. Lizard man. Yeah, he's a lizard man. He likes to look at his own muscles. <laughs> yeah. It's like always talking about how, how like cut he is. Your meeting with the Emperor went well as planned, Prince Shizor? Of course. I promised 300 ships for His Majesty's construction project on Endor. I bowed and scraped to every one of Lord Vader's demands. They couldn't have found a more amenable business partner. Or a more dangerous enemy. <laughs> and he exudes, like, pheromones that yeah. make women love him. Yeah. <laughs> Captain, I've established contact with the rebel outpost on Hoth. This is Dash Rendar. Tell the princess I've got that shipment of assault blasters she's been waiting for. Copy, Outrider. We've been expecting it. You are clear to land at Bay 3. Dash Randar. Man. <laughs> There's not much to say about Dash. He's so cocky. <laughs> it's He's... Uh, is he is he completely useless or just like a little bit useless in the book? Yeah, he's probably completely useless. <laughs> he just shows up randomly. Yeah, you know, I kept thinking of him being Poochie from Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Poochie. You look like you've got something to say. Do you? Yes, I certainly do. Yeah. Pretty much. Just, just, hey, don't forget to recycle to the extreme, you know? Yeah, with his big vest. Yeah. <laughs> Look at my vest. Because he just shows up. Like, whenever, like, there's, like, these space battles in the book that come from nowhere. 
and are completely useless. But then, like, how are we going to get out of this? Oh, look, it's Dash. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's, I, n- I never miss. Except for when he does miss. And then he's all sad. But, like, he didn't really miss. It was all a trick. Yeah. It was an indestructible missile. <laughs> it's so bad because he's, like, he's such a Han Solo ripoff. He's such yeah. a mid-90s, you know, cringeworthy version of Han Solo. Yeah. He's very 90s, that's true. But yeah, it's like Han Solo without the charm or yeah. the character. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I expected Dash Randar to be like flying through space on like a surfboard. He's, uh, he, he like does skateboard tricks after he blows up a TIE fighter. Well, and then he has his, what was his droid's name? I don't know. Blip Blip. That, <laughs> I don't know. What'd you say? Blip Blip Blip. Because that really messed with my head because I think there's one sentence about his droid at the beginning of the book. And then at the very end of the book, he starts talking about his droid. Yeah. And I was, for a couple minutes, I was like, I don't know what the heck he's talking about. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's his droid that he talked about at the very beginning of the book. You would know from the game, potentially. There's there's the whole part in the middle of the book where Luke... Like, out of nowhere goes on some mission about boffins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the thing I thought was great is everyone who keeps talking about all the, the either intentionally or jokingly about all the boffins in uh, Rogue One. It's like, if you want to know what happened to the boffins, it's in Shadows of the Empire. <laughs> yeah. and, it's, and it's like ridiculous nonsense. I didn't but know. Basically- I, I was like, why is, what is going on with the boffins? Like, what is this? What's happening? They get slaughtered by lizard people. Yeah. I mean, actually, that was something that kind of, which happens a few times in the book that kind of bugged me, was where they're kind of making, like, key key story points from Jedi, basically, were Skizor's idea. Or it was like, yeah. it was his idea for Palpatine to give the plans to the rebels. I've seen pulse cannons and gladiator droids. I've seen beggars cannon. And imperial sewers. I've seen dead ends. And infinite space. I've seen 360 degrees of tomorrow. And for once, live to tell about it. Because I've got the ultimate fighting machine. I thought that was weird. It was weird to read something that was before basically the prequels kind of solidified kind of Palpatine and Vader's relationship. It's weird hearing about like how Vader has his own castle and how rich he is. Yeah. I totally don't see that in Vader's character anymore. Like I imagine that he just like lives in a spaceship and doesn't have any stuff. No, nothing. Where in this, you know, he's one of the richest people in the galaxy and he has his own staff and all this stuff. Like that was kind of weird to read that, you know, at the time, I mean, that made sense, I guess. There is weirdly stuff though in it that it weirdly like gets kind of right. Like uh, when there's parts where the Vader is talking kind of like an inner dialogue and he's talking about how Palpatine and Obi-Wan made him who he is. Mm -hmm. And like Vader talking about Anakin, how he was weak and all that stuff. It's like, "Hmm." and I I like this stuff where Bay basically where he's trying to use the force to, to not be in the suit. Yeah. Like, right. I thought that was cool. And it's kind of like, okay, I could see that. That's like, you know, when he's in his little meditation chamber with his armor off, like he's trying to, he doesn't want to be in that suit either. So, right. I, mean, that's, I thought that, and that's kind of what I was saying too. Like Steve Perry seemed to get the, the, the Canon characters like really well. Right. But then he, <laughs> and shows up and just gets goofy. She has Shizor and Rand dash Randar. Um, because I like the part, I think there's some part where Shizor talks about how he doesn't care about nature or f- flowers or something. But then like <laughs> a chapter later, he's like admiring Palpatine's, oh no, no, this is what it was. He was on Palpatine's spaceship and he was like, oh, his garden is great. And I'm not really into gardening, but his garden is so cool. I'm going to hire away his gardener <laughs> for real. And then later, <laughs> later he's got like his million year old bonsai tree, which is like his most prized possession. <laughs> You remember that? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> and he's like, "That's the perfect cut. I'm done for the year." <laughs> so, like that stuff was crazy. I was kind of annoyed that they went. It like 
the story seemed to work on its own, but then it was like, oh, and by the way, Vader and one of his science experiments killed Shizor's family. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like it wasn't enough that he just wanted more power. Yeah. When they said that, it's like, wait, what? (laughs) Wait, what? Yeah. When did that happen? Yeah. That I always, you know, don't you remember all Vader's science experiments? <laughs> Ma- master scientist. Just imagine him with like test tubes. Oh no! <laughs> I, I think I spilled it. Yeah, we better burn them all. <laughs> I don't have uh, a good. I'm very clumsy with this this cape and stuff. I, yeah. That was that was really weird. Um. Oh, and then I love the part where, I don't know why, there's the whole, like, it seems felt like pages after pages where him talking about eating that moon glow vegetable yeah. or fruit, <laughs> and he has a certified master moon glow chef <laughs> to prepare it for him. Oh. <laughs> so. This is outrageous. It's outrageous. This is outrageous. So, Gabe, you read the comics, right? Yeah, I read the comics, too. So what's, what's the deal with the comics? There's the one part where there's a page where Vader's, like, getting ready to meet with Skizor, and then they show that Skizor is getting ready to meet with Vader. And then the next page, it's like, so how was your meeting with Skizor? Like, <laughs> they, they cut, there's huge chunks of story that they don't put in the comics because they're in the book, but it makes the comic kind of not make sense. Yeah. But there is a character called Big Jizz, <laughs> who's a swoop gang leader. I don't know why, and then which made me laugh because in the book there's a character named Dix, so yeah. I don't know, I don't know what's going. On. Oh. Yeah, Shadows is getting a little, uh, little easy, getting dark. But I think the coolest thing is just the the artist for the comic was Killian Plunkett, who's just the art director for Clone Wars and the art director for Rebels. So there's definitely some Shadows connection to the modern Star Wars stuff. But um, yeah, on its own, the comics are kind of nonsense, but I think in conjunction with the book, it's they fill in some gaps. Oh, and actually, there's a really cool part at the end where Boba Fett finally gets to Jabba's palace, and Jabba basically hires a bunch of other bounty hunters to basically steal Han so he can pay them less money, and they go on this big swoop bike chase with Boba Fett, and then you realize it really isn't Boba Fett. It's, I think it was Zuckus. It was Zuckus or Forlom in Boba Fett's armor. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, so... And then Boba Fett just snuck in the back with his other armor. Wait, what so, other armor? Boba well, I, I guess he has two sets of armor because he had one to put on uh, oh. Zuckus and another to wear to see Boba. It's not like he's in his underpants <laughs> with uh, Jabba. <laughs> Sorry, Jabba, but my suit's on Zuckus. Dad, Don Weas here. So you listened to the soundtrack, too. Yeah. The soundtrack was pretty good. You listened to it a little bit, didn't you? Yeah, I, I sampled it. I sampled it. Yeah, it's it's like the book. It's like, it'll be pretty good. Um, I think there's like some like spooky skis or music, but then like, oh, I can't remember which song it was. I'll have to find it, but it was like standard Star Wars music, but then all of a sudden there's like the saxophone or something that comes in and it's Ugh. like... <laughs> Maybe that's the the Leia scene. The, Maybe the seduction. Um, but yeah, so the guy who did it, um, what was his name? Joel McNeely. Do you know what other quality films he did? No, fill me in. He did the music for Radio Land Murders. Okay, mm-hmm. so a little Lucas connection there, right? He did the soundtrack for Soldier. Whoa! Yeah, I'm going to kill them all, sir. The big, the big guns. Yeah, quality films like Virus. <laughs> Man. Yeah, so he was doing all the hits in addition to uh, Shadows. Everybody's favorites. Yeah. Like, when that game came out, 
it was a huge deal. Oh yeah, I mean, they kind of were the first one to really do the 3D Hoth battle, which has now been in like everything, almost every Star Wars game since then. Yeah, like the Rogue Squadron N64 games had that. Yeah, it was like the uh, first time like using the tow cables and taking down the adats and stuff. Mm-hmm. Even Battlefront, which just came out, still has the Battle Hoth, which is pretty much the same gameplay as this was on Shadows of the Empire 20 years ago. I just spent a week trying to get through that level on Disney Infinity, pretty much. Oh, so they have it in there? Yeah. See? yeah. So I think at this point, they, every Star Wars game ends up with the Battle of Hoth, which was, yeah, in Shadows first. Mm-hmm. Well, technically it was in the Atari game that made you want to kill yourself. <laughs> 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 you just fought the endless ad-ads forever, but I mean, this once it went 3D, yeah, Shadows is where it's at. So there was a post-Shadows of the Empire comic called Shadows of the Empire Evolution. Ooh. So I think the big deal with that, and this came out, I think, in 98, so a couple years after, Wow. was um, Steve Perry, who wrote the book, wrote this, but man... It's dumb. <laughs> it's like really dumb. So it's all about Guri, who we didn't talk about at all. No. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> Which, for good reason. Maybe, yeah. Um, but it's basically Guri's still alive and she wants to get her memory erased. And then Shizor's niece is in there, but she's dressed in like this rubber mask of old Skizor with an eye patch. Genius. And then she has another rubber mask of like this human looking later lady who wants to take control of the black sun and there's this giant bird head man. There's a pretty good, <laughs> it sounds a lot better than it is. Yeah. I was going to say that's sounding hot, but it's pretty much just her trying to get her memory erased so she can be a good person. And then at the end she gets her memory erased and she goes to a bar and dash Rendar's there and buys her a drink. They're made for each other. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like as weird of a like reputation as shadows had has, Weirdly, it's still. I would say, is there another like old expanded universe book that is weirdly tied into the new canon as much as Shadows of the Empire? I don't know what there is because there's a lot of Shadows of the Empire still happening with the new stuff. Probably. So, first off, an early title of The Force Awakens was Shadow of the Empire. Yep. Which, Remember that. Um, don't forget that Prince Skizor was in the Padres stands for Phantom Menace. He was? Uh, Prince Skizor action figure was. <laughs> I never knew that. It, 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 there's some, him, t- him hanging out with the Q-tips? Yeah, so there's, there's some parts in Phantom Menace where they used action figures. For the uh, for the people in the stands, and there's one Prince Gizor is like walking up the steps. In I like, the, to, in I the like to think that he survived and is just watching pod races. Maybe it's his niece wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah, or it's his niece in the rubber mask. Um, the Outrider is in Disney Infinity. When you're on Tatooine, if you look up at the sky at some parts, you can see the Outrider flying overhead. Oh, and the Outrider's in the special edition as well. Yeah, the Outrider's in the special edition. Um, so are Swoop Bikes. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Black Sun and Skizor like aliens are in uh, Clone Wars. Yep. And the Falline aliens, which are dressed exactly like Skizor and look exactly like Skizor. Um, Black Sun is referenced in Rebels with Ketsuanyo in the episode Blood Sisters from Season 2. Mm-hmm. Dash Randar is on StarWars.com, listed as one of the Snowspeeder pilots in the Battle of Endor. Battle of Endor or Battle of Hoth? Oh, I'm sorry. Listed as one of the uh, Snowspeeder pilots on the Battle of Hoth. <laughs> it, it's totally something that Dash would do, though, to just show up in the Battle of Endor in a, <laughs> a Snowspeeder. Yeah. <laughs> Check me out, dudes. <laughs> so at Celebration, at Celebration Anaheim, everybody thought they were getting their picture taken inside the Millennium Falcon, and it was actually the Outrider. Joke's on you. <laughs> <laughs> Which I remember when we all got our photo taken, there was a little bit of mumbling in our group, like, this isn't really the Falcon, this is the Outrider. And we were like, it's still cool, whatever. Yeah, it's cool enough. Well, I think, too, with the Shadow story kind of set the template for the Vader comic as well, where it's all about basically Palpatine kind of being a jerk to Vader, either to make him stronger or just to see if there's somebody better than him. Since it's, you know, there's that's basically been the whole comic where it's like Vader... 
is still a bad guy, but there's other bad guys trying to out bad guy him. So you're kind of rooting for Vader to kill the other bad guys, which was kind of Vader's role in this book. If you ever wondered about the bathroom in Star Wars, <laughs> Shadows of the Empire is all about it, and they call them refreshers or freshers. And I swear they talk about freshers at least like 50 times in the book. Yeah. And someone's going to the fresher or came from the fresher or hanging out in the fresher. That was really weird. I had no idea what they were ever talking about. Yeah. That's the Star Wars toilet. Because I always just thought people in Star Wars just didn't go to the bathroom. Yeah. Just It and just it's just didn't happen. Maybe George Lucas doesn't go to the bathroom ever, which would make sense. So people in Star Wars just don't go to the bathroom. Yeah. The only thing I can think is they they had to have this scene at the end where like Leia's in the bathroom looking at herself in the mirror or whatever, and they didn't want it to be weird. So like, oh, we'll just ease people in by talking about the bathroom throughout the whole book. Oh, nice to see a familiar face. Ichuta. How rude. It was kind of weird how Caesar didn't know who Lando was, so he kept calling him the gambler. Yeah. But then at one point at the end, he just starts calling him the dark man. Hello, what have we here? Yeah, that that again. I read that and I was kind of like, what? No. Yeah, because oh. was, that was like in the big climax. Yeah. I was, I was like, I didn't want to think. I was like... It can't be talking about Lando. Yeah, because I like who's this other character they're talking about? Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's Lando. Oh dear. Yeah, it's like this Skeezor is a sleazy dude. <laughs> like if you didn't already hate Skeezor, yeah, um, he's racist. He could be a, a rapist. Yeah, he's like all the ists. Yeah, he's he's rapey. He's kind of yeah, it's questionable. Yeah. It's questionable taste in everything. <laughs> but stuff I did like, I did like the, I like the idea of the droids flying the ship and just yeah. like chaos ensuing. Like, yeah. I hope that happens in one of the films sometimes. C-3PO flying the Falcon, genius. Um, and then the whole end thing with Luke flying the Falcon, it's like we've never got to see that in the movies to this point still. We could, we could in the future, who knows? Yeah. And Luke flying the Falcon was pretty cool. So yeah, that was making me think about how, you know, again, Shadow's kind of keeps tying into modern stuff if we see luke flying the falcon in episode eight it's kind of like oh that's kind of from shadows yeah and then i did like i don't know if i ever want to see this in the movie or not but like luke always like trying to make himself levitate <laughs> yeah. like every time he's like laying in bed i'm gonna practicing levitating let's, let's hope yeah let's i hope. have a new hope and it's that <laughs> luke levitates closing thought on shadows the empire like I said, it gets a it gets a bad rap, uh, probably understandably so, but it's probably not the best Star Wars book you ever read. But it's fascinating. Like I think the history of it is more interesting than maybe the actual book. It's still kind of really what happened in a way, even though it's not officially official anymore. But there probably won't be anything that counteracts it anytime soon like i can't see them going back to that time frame anytime soon yeah i i think a really good story of like an actual story of what does happen in the time between empire and jedi i think still could be told yeah i kind of hope it would be because even the luke skywalker that's on beastman um to the Luke Skywalker that shows up at Jabba's palace are almost two different people. And that's one thing kind of in shadows is Luke or Luke sounds right. I don't get, I don't get that transition from like the whiny Luke. That's still kind of an empire to the dead serious Luke that's in return of the Jedi. Yeah, they tried, they tried, but and I almost imagine Luke in between that time, like kind of more dwelling on what happened on Cloud City. Yeah, like there's more, it would be more of an introspection, introspective right. kind of thing for Luke and not necessarily him out on, that's almost like Force Awakens where he would kind of, I would think he would kind of go somewhere and do a lot of thinking and not just like 
hanging out with Dash Rendar. Oh, yeah, riding swoop bikes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what's your what's your final take on uh, on Shadows? What's your final thought on it? I would be lying if I didn't enjoy myself reading it. Right. You know, maybe yeah. for the wrong reasons, but I don't regret it. Um, it was fun to revisit the game. The comics were interesting. But, um, yeah, it's neat to see really how far non-movie Star Wars stuff has come, like thinking about Clone Wars and Rebels, like the kind of stories we get in those, how different those are from what we got with Shadows and just like the creepy stuff with Shizor and Leia. Like it's kind of incredible to think that, you know, out of a hundred Clone Wars episodes and Rebels, like we never got anything that that sleazy to any of the characters. Thankfully, yeah. You know, I think we're in a, Star Wars is in a good spot now. yeah. It's come a long way in the last 20 years. <laughs> you know, the great thing about Star Wars is it's so optimistic and so hopeful. And I don't think we get enough stories that really have those kind of messages. So that's what I think the takeaway is, which is nice. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. So we got two, two new iTunes reviews. Which is pretty awesome. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear them. All right, let's go with the first one. The first one is from Killabill13. Okay, so Killabill13 says, "Fun podcast about my favorite topic. Great podcast. Just enough humor. Tons of nerd out excitement. Loose conversation, yet professional. A must listen for Star Wars diehards and podcast enthusiasts alike." Thank you, Killabill13. Yeah, that's nice. I like that. So this one, this is a good one. Um, This is from I Love Max Rebo, which... I love Max Rebo, too. Yes, so do I. We do, too. Um, uh, I wish I had more stars to give, is what this one's titled. One of the most refreshing things about Blast Points is how clear it is that both Jason and Gabe genuinely, unconditionally love, all in caps, Star Wars. (laughs) In the wake of 10-plus years of a bitter fan base and prequel hate and Lucas blaming, Blast Points lends an affectionate, nostalgic lens to cinematic disasters like Attack of the Clones. Okay? Well. Well, Yeah. Uh, (laughs) The the guy's insight brings new depth into the well-loved territory of Star Wars, and their sheer enthusiasm and out-there theories ensure that they're pretty much always discussing some idea that I've never considered as a fan. Maybe that one baby on Rebels really is Ray's mom. (laughs) Good one. All in all, one of the best podcasts I listen to weekly, period. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I love you, or I love Max Rebo. We love you, I love you, Max Rebo. (laughs) Yeah. We do. You must contact me. Um, so you should leave us a review on iTunes, and we will read your review uh, on the show, just like we love, just <laughs> just like we read. I love Max Rebo and Killabill 13's review. Yep. And if you have any uh, thoughts on Shadows, please send them our way. Yeah, please do. Um, where were you in '96 when it came out? Have you read it recently? Let us know. You can let us know on uh, on Twitter. We're at blast underscore points. You can hit us up on the Facebook page. Leave us a drop us something on there. Let us know what you think of Shadows of the Empire. We're also on Instagram. And uh, one thing new, and I didn't tell you this yet, Gabe. Uh, Google Play is starting their own uh, podcast thing. Oh, great. To kind of, I think, go on with iTunes. And I think by the time this show comes on, we'll be on there. Awesome. So I know it's, it's you can search the podcast on, like, um, on a computer, but not on a mobile device yet. But I know that the mobile thing is coming soon. Um, but whenever that does happen, Blast Points will be on Google Play. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah, I've been reviewing uh, every episode of Clone Wars over on Doom Rocket every Thursday. This week I'll be doing a review of uh, Rookies. I'm still on season mm-hmm. one, which is great. It's great going back. There's a lot of good stuff in season one. Yeah, it's there really is. It's great going back to Clone Wars. I've been having a great time. 
Because there's a lot of stuff I always think is in season two, and then I go back and watch season one. I'm like, oh, no, this was in season one. Yeah. It's, <laughs> when they're long seasons, too. So I think that's part of it. I mean, yeah. They're full seasons. What, 22, 25 episodes, right? Yeah. I, yeah, only like 115 episodes to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So then next week is another interview episode. And so you want to tune in for that. So thanks for listening. Uh, and until, and we'll see you next week. See you later. Obi-Wan, may the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. Finally got rid of all that Prince Zizor stuff from Shadows of the Empire. It's Shizor. Shut up, kid. You weren't even born when Star Wars came out. You oh, go ahead. You know what? I, you know what? Oh, oh, man. So I had my notes about the book, and I accidentally deleted a line the other day. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, I don't remember what it was. And I was like, oh, whatever. But now I remember what it was. It was when they're talking about um, the old Scythian proverb. <laughs> There was an old Scythian proverb that said, even when fighting the great saber cat. (laughs) (laughs) Even when fighting the great saber cat, it is best not to turn your back upon the lowly serpent.